want to welcome you and thank you for being here this morning and, and, uh, and for your social distancing and, and all of that stuff. We're so glad to be able to be meeting together and, uh, and hopefully this can continue um, for, for some time. Um, we are going to be wrapping up 1 Peter chapter 5 today, if I can make it through the entire uh, passage. It might be a tall order, but, but we'll see. Um, but we've been in the book of 1 Peter for some time now, and 1 Peter is really speaking to a group of people who have been in the midst of persecution. They've been, they've been suffering as a church, and so they've been dealing with uh, people who really disliked them, and so they have... Uh, they have been trying to figure out how to deal with this. And so we've been talking about that and it seemed pertinent uh, during this time as we've been going through a difficult period um, in, our, in our nation, in our world because of the pandemic. And, um, and then even more so now that we, there's the, the racial tension, the race, racial issues uh, that are happening. And um, I mean, just, and then as of late, the, uh, the mask debate to mask or not to mask, and then the governor's order on, on, on wearing masks and all of this. And I, I just can't imagine our, our, our world being more divided than it is now. I mean, it was, it was hopeful there for a little while as the pandemic began that, that we might come to a point where we, uh, where we are coming together. And I, I saw people with signs in their, their yards that, that said together um, because of this pandemic, and now it's, it's, it's less so. But I, I just don't think that our world is going to change on its own. It's just not, it's not just going to turn around just because there was a pandemic. I think our world is on a, a, a downward slide in, in, in some respects. Um, I don't think it's always been like that. I, I think the, the ultimate end is, is going to be Jesus' return, and, and those who know him uh, will be ushered into eternal life, and those who don't will not, and that will not be a great thing. I think our world is sliding down towards, towards uh, that in that sense. Uh, but in, at certain periods of time uh, throughout history, uh, our world has seemed to progress in a positive direction. Uh, as Christianity came on the scene and as it implemented the idea of, of, of civil rights and as it uh, uh, entered into the idea of women should be valued and not just treated like property and slaves should be treated like people and not just outlets for pleasure or whatever we want from them, that kind of thing. But today I think our world is in some senses in a downward spiral and I think it's because our world doesn't understand what it looks like to be uh, a leader or a, a follower or how to get along in life. We're just, we're continuing to, to, to go further into our separated camps, what we believe, our, our political alliances, our, our ideas. And so I just want to submit to you that uh, the way of Jesus is different than uh, conservatism. The way of Jesus is different than liberalism. There's elements of both of those things that we could, we could look at and we say, we could see Jesus teaching this, uh, but it's different than either one of those things. And so what we try to do here often at Outward Church is to offend uh, us. All of us need to be offended on some level by Jesus and what he teaches. So uh, Jesus teaches us things that our political alliances would not agree with. 
And so my hope is this morning that you would be offended on some level. So maybe you've never heard that in a church, but uh, that is my hope on some level. I'm not sure that I've given you the word if you don't get offended on some level, but just know I'll, hopefully I'll say it with a smile and we'll still be friends. And so... That'll be fantastic. But I want to welcome you guys, especially those who are online. Listen, we're so glad that you're joining us. We're so glad that you're a part of this with us. We hope that you're able to come and join us at some point. Uh, man, if you're somebody who has underlying health conditions and things like that, uh, we just want to encourage you, continue to enjoy this from home. Uh, we, we encourage that. For those of you that are just being lazy and just enjoying sitting at home, we miss you. Come hang out with us. This, uh, this would be great. And you can social distance and all that stuff. We'll do a fist bump or an elbow or whatever, whatever you want to do. That's fine. Probably not whatever you want to do, but uh, whatever. Anyway. All right. First uh, Peter chapter 5. Would you read that with me uh, uh, to yourself? I'll read it out loud here. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanius... A, brother, a faithful brother as I regard him. I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Now, as you can see here, if you're unfamiliar uh, with the scriptures, one thing that you should know is that this is a letter. It's a letter that was sent to multiple churches. And so that's kind of a unique aspect. You're seeing he's ending a letter. He's giving some final things. And then he talks about how uh, Sylvanius is, is, is helping him write it or he delivered it. We don't know what, what exactly he did. But uh, this, this guy, um, his name is also Silas, by the way. I think Sylvanus is uh, the Greek for that. But, but Silas was a helper, was helping him in that. And so he's ending a letter here. Ultimately, what you, what you can see from this is that there's, there's some stuff about elders in there, and elders are the, the leaders of the church. They're not guys that ride around on bicycles and, and uh, knock on your door and things like that. Elders are the guys who are actually, <laughs> sorry, uh, they're, they're guys who are leading the church. They're, they're leading the church. Outward Church has seven elders, uh, there's seven of us. We'll probably add more elders as we go on and as we continue to grow. And so there's seven elders. You can look up on the, 
on the uh, uh, website, and you can see, I think all of our pictures are, are on there if you want to get a good idea of who we are. But we, we are the elders. So it's talking to elders. It's talking, about, uh, talking to people who are younger, which would be people who are not elders, we think. Uh, it's speaking to those people. And then it's talking to everyone. And really, uh, if you look at this passage, one of the things that you'll see is that like a, a lot of times when I'm preaching, I try to come up with some type of statement that's going to kind of be an overarching theme. And you're kind of looking for that, trying to think of that, trying to be catchy or you know, something along those lines. But you don't really have to look for it because it really is in verse 5 when he says, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So if you remember nothing else, if you remember uh, today, we're talking about God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. And you can, you can spread this out all over the world. You can spread this in every corner of our nation, in every aspect of, of, uh, of our community, uh, from the leaders to the followers. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble from first to last. You can't come to God with a prideful attitude. You must come to God with humility. Humility comes to God and says, I am wrong I have wronged you, God, and I've sinned against my fellow man uh, or woman as well. And so you're coming to God in humility. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So he begins this whole conversation with talking to elders. Now, I believe that all of this is in the context of, of verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 19, which is just the previous verse here, which says, therefore let those who suffer according to God's will and trust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So he's, he says that last. He says, so entrust your souls to the faithful creator. Uh, chapter five, verse one says, so, or therefore, this is what it looks like to entrust your soul to a faithful creator. This is what it looks like. So here's the, the leadership of the local church and so he begins to speak to these leaders and he says, I'm, I'm gonna talk to the elders first and as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as, as well as a partaker in the glory that's gonna be re revealed, I, I'm, he's coming at them and he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm with you. I'm somebody who's witnessed what happened to Christ. He was there. I'm somebody who experienced that. I'm, I'm looking forward to to the end when ultimately we'll, we'll all be together uh, partaking of the glory that's gonna be revealed when Jesus returns. So he's putting himself in their, in their shoes, that's Peter, and he says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight. So he's speaking to these elders, and what we can say about this is obviously there's only seven of us in the church right now that this verse really applies to uh, in some senses. However, what you can see from this is that this is what godly leadership looks like. When people in culture do not abide by these, the, this direction, when people in culture lead with pride and arrogance and not with humility, our world can at times become undone. Now, most of us would agree in here that what happened to George Floyd was unfair. Most police, uh, law enforcement agencies uh, that I have heard of, I, I, don't, I haven't heard of one that said that, that that was a right thing that happened to George Floyd. And so what we can take from that is we can look at that and we can say that the way that he was treated there was unfair. It was done in pride. And our world has come unglued. The same thing will happen in your home. If you're somebody who's not shepherding the flock of God 
among you, exercising this oversight, if you're not shepherding them, caring for them, taking care of your children, your wife, uh, your husband, whatever it is, uh, if you're not caring for your employees or the people who are under your care at work in some capacity or on your team in these ways, you're, you're not going to get the benefit. See, God has created leadership. He's the one who chose how leadership should be effectively managed. And when we go outside of those bounds, bad things happen. Terrible things take place. Homes become uh, separated. People get angry at work. Sometimes there's even riots in the street. I'm not saying I agree with riots, but I do agree with the sentiment that people were mistreated. when leadership isn't done according to God's way. Look at what he says here. Not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. There's this, there's this sense in which, as a, as a leader, that I could be in this, in this position where I'm saying, I, I feel like I have to do this, so I'm just going to do it. Maybe you got pulled into leadership at work. And you were like, I don't want to lead anybody, but you have to do it. It's a horrible place to be. In fact, I, as a, as a pastor, have been in this place. And I think all of us pastors at, at some point or another get to this point where, where, where we just feel like, do, I feel like I have to do this. And it's an awful place to be. I've, at just different times during uh, my career as a pastor, I've been like, man, do I really want to do this forever? I mean, these are moments of like, you know, depression or anxiety or what have you. And I come to this point where I'm like, man, do I, do I really want to keep doing this? Do I just, do I want to go out and pound nails again? And so I got to this point one time and I just was like, man, I feel like I'm losing my touch. I don't think I could actually swing a hammer anymore, you know, because I, I was a construction guy, you know. I, 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 am I getting too soft? I've got no calluses on my hand getting kind of weak these days, and so I asked the elders for a little bit of time to just go do some projects, and it was so life-giving to me, but then it was like in the middle of the summer, and it's stinking hot, and my back is hurting, and I've got to put all these tools in my truck, and it just was, uh, but it was life-giving. At the same time, it was like, you know what? I want to get back to leading God's people, and so I'd come to this point where I felt like, you know what? I uh, I don't have to do ministry. I don't have to be leading the church, but I get to. I get to be a part of this thing. And so at that point, I, I knew in my heart of hearts that I didn't have to be doing this under compulsion, but having to be an elder, having to be somebody who's leading something, feeling like you're compelled to do it just because of you or because someone's expecting you to or what, uh, what, whatever, leads you to a place of a lack of happiness, a lack of growth. It can lead you to a place of just poor leadership. You can see the same thing happening in, in just many other facets of life where people just feel like, I have to do this. I have to be a part of this. This is what my family's always done. This is what I went to school for. This is whatever it is, and so I have to be doing this. God wants you to lead your home your school. God wants you to lead in your job wherever it is not under compulsion, 
but he wants you to lead out of a sense of joy and out of a sense of this is what I'm called to as God would have you. Oftentimes when I get to, the, when I get to that place, I have to come to a point where I, where I have to confirm my calling. God, what have you called me to? God, what is your calling on my life? Have you called me uh, to, to continue to lead here? I mean, I, mean I, just, I just view it as like God gives me periods of time that I'm like, am I still called here? And I have to ask the other elders, like, do you feel like I'm the right guy? Am I the right guy for this season? Like, is this what God has me doing? And obviously I've, that's been confirmed many times, but I have to return to, God, are you calling me to do this? And sometimes we need to go back to that. We need to say, God, are you, have you called me to lead this team at the church? Sometimes people use, it, use an excuse like, I don't feel called to helping with cleaning around the church. I don't feel called to that. And that's just a, a Christianese way of saying, no, I don't really want to. I don't feel like it, you know. But that's not, a, that's, not, that's not going to God and saying, you know, what have you called me to do? So oftentimes I have to ask God, God, have you, have you called me to this? Have you called me to lead this community group? Have you called me to lead this team? Is this what your calling is on my life? It's a terrible place to be, to be a community group leader and just be like, well, there's no one else, and so I gotta do it. Don't lead out of that. Lead out of God's calling on your life. The second way that, this, that, that uh, bad things happen in, in leadership is, he says, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Now, shameful gain can be uh, for money, for power, for pr position, prestige, for status, for anything like that. I mean, we've all seen the guy that, that uh, you know, like the, the, the mall cop <laughs> got a badge and now he's really serious about, about his, his job and it's hard to take them seriously. And you feel like, you know what, someone gave you a badge. And I'm not saying we should disrespect authority or, or something like that, but I'm just saying we've all experienced that person that got a title and they are taking it very, very, very seriously. And what doesn't work is in the church world for somebody to say, I have to be in uh, in a place of authority. I have to be an elder. I have to be here. What we say in our eldership today between the seven of us is if somebody has to be an elder, they can't be an elder. If somebody is like, they have to have that title. They need that title. They, uh, they, they're, they're finding ways of telling people, yes, I'm an elder and this is what I do. Like that it always ends poorly. Oftentimes, the guys that we want to see on eldership are not people who are pining for some type of position, for some type of uh, authority, but there's somebody who is saying, you know what, I, I don't feel like I'm the right guy, but I have this sense of I want to help, that kind of a thing. But oftentimes, people are doing this for shameful gain. They're, they're, they're wanting to lead in some capacity because they get something out of it. They get power. They get position. They get prestige. What happens is this, is that it's, you're dangerously cl close to a misuse of authority. You're dangerously close to a misuse of power. And it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. Too many times this has happened in the church. Too many times this has taken place. Maybe you're somebody who took on a role in the church Maybe you're somebody who took on a role in some other capacity and you're just doing it for gain. What do I get out of it? 
And maybe you're, you're a, a husband or a father in, in, in your home, and you're somebody who's really just leading your kids, your wife, your, your family for shameful gain. It's just what you get out of it. When you're doing something for what you get out of it, what happens is this, is that you're not there to serve other people. You're not there serving, giving of yourself to other people. The best kind of leadership is servant leadership. Servant leadership is what the kingdom of God is all about. In fact, Jesus uh, says this in Matthew chapter 20. He said, uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28, he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. That's another way of saying are, are domineering over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whatever be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came to be served, came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying, look at my example. As a leader, a leader is here to shepherd his flock. A leader is here, when you look at like on the side of uh, police cars, to protect and to serve. I think that's a, a phrase that we use here in Salem with our, our law enforcement officers. That's a fantastic thing. We love law enforcement officers here. We respect them. But that phrase, to protect and to serve, ultimately comes from this idea of Jesus as a protector. He is the good shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. He is here to protect, but he's also here to serve. It's a humble way of doing leadership. Instead of saying, here's what I want to get out of it, like give me my pay, give me my status, give me my position in leadership, it's saying I'm here in humility to serve our community. In fact, the, the, the riots and, and the things that have been happening um, lately, I think, and I, I feel like I'm about to get myself in trouble here, so just I'm asking for grace in this moment. I think what people are asking for is they're saying, I want Jesus kind of leadership in our law enforcement. That's difficult because law enforcement officers aren't Jesus. But it would be really awesome if we all recognize that Jesus is the true forerunner of all law enforcement. Jesus is our example. He is here to protect and serve. He's the good shepherd. And he's left elders here, uh, people like me and the other men uh, in our church who are leading in this way, to protect and to serve um, people. And so this is what we want. This is what we want for people who are in positions of authority. And so you, as somebody who might be in authority in some place or another, must understand that you should not be leading for shameful gain. The next thing that he says is he says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This, 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 not domineering, but being examples. See, the opposite of being domineering the opposite of trying to control people is to be an example to them. See, domineering is ultimately this. A little bit later in the passage, it's talking about casting all of your anxieties on him. Ultimately, when you're domineering, it is an aggressive anxiety about losing control. When you're domineering towards people, it's ultimately an aggressive anxiety about losing control. I can tell you that because that is me. I remember some time ago, I had a, a group of guys that were in a small group, and they came to me, and I, I feel like such a jerk because of this. They came to me and they said, we want to talk to you, Pastor Matt. And so I met with these young guys, and they, and they just kind of poured out their heart and said, you know what, we just, 
we just really feel convicted because we haven't made church a priority. We haven't been serving the way that we should. I, I can't remember everything that they said to me. But I, for some reason in that moment, decided that this was a great time for me to lay into these guys. I thought what they needed was a football coach. I, get your butts in gear. And I don't remember what I said, but I, I, somehow I said, like, this is unacceptable. And here these young men are pouring their hearts out to me saying, Matt, we should have been more committed to whatever. And what, how did I respond? I responded in a domineering way in that moment. Why did I do that? Because what I thought to myself was, you are, are a reflection of me as one of the church members in the church that I lead. It reflects poorly on me. And so therefore, I'm gonna get angry at you because I'm, you're not being controlled by me in the way that I want you to be controlled. It was ultimately about me having an aggressive anxiety uh, about trying to control someone. There are especially, I mean, there's many, you know, in both genders, there's domineering people for sure. But there are men in this church that are domineering and you're using your power to control your wife, your kids, whatever that is. I promise you, because I'm one of them. I'm one of, I've, I've been like that. I, I mean, early on, same thing with my, with my children. Or my, my kids are getting out of control in some place. I mean, which is everywhere. <laughs> they, they, they were, sorry, children. Um, they're getting older. They're, 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 they're being obedient. I don't want to rip on them, but you know, they, they, would, they would get out of control and I would act angrily. And I'd act angrily because my kids were a reflection of me when I'm in public. And when they're doing something that's upsetting me and, and I think it's a reflection on me, then I want to dominate. I want to control. See, godly leadership is not leadership that seeks to control. It seeks to serve. It seeks to shepherd, to care for but then also to serve uh, these, these kiddos, these people that are under our care, and not to respond in a domineering way. There's other ways that, do, that you can be domineering as well. Uh, you can use fear. You could use shame. You could use guilt. You could use manipulation. And these are all really, really effective tools for controlling people. I mean, if I was good at manipulation... If I was good at manipulation, I could, you know, we could manipulate uh, you into doing whatever we want. I mean, we've seen many cults use manipulation, many cults, getting everybody to literally drink the poisoned Kool-Aid. I mean, manipulation works. You can be seen as a good leader. We see this in the church all of the time. We see people, uh, pastors, who uh, are able to lead massive organizations and big churches and all, all of this stuff, and we just go, man, aren't they incredible? They have this in, a huge platform. And I'm not in any way saying that everyone who has a huge platform is like that. I'm just saying that there, are, there have been many that did have that kind of a platform. And yet what happened was this, is that a story comes out about how he would take his staff into a room and he'd cuss them out. Or he would do this, and he would do that, and he would lead in these ways, and he would control people, and it was, it was this process of manipulation and, and fear. 
Um, I, I watched a, a documentary recently on, on Lance Armstrong, the 30 for 30 documentary on ESPN about Lance Armstrong. And that was one of the key themes of Lance Armstrong's life is that he used fear, manipulation, shame, guilt to drive his other uh, riders to, to success. And these guys said, hey, it works. I got to hand it to him. I did not want to get chewed out like that again because I wasn't in the, at the head of the pack. And so it works. You can get people to do what you want them to do by using manipulation and fear. But that's not Jesus' way of leadership. Jesus leads us through laying down his life. Jesus leads us through protecting us, through guiding us. Jesus leads us with a shepherd's heart, and he leads us by serving us. You see that over and over again in all kinds of leadership. When it's domineering, you can get people to do what you want for a time, but then it comes apart. Then it comes apart. And I think in some ways, our world, right or wrong, is reacting to that. They're reacting to that. I've I've said this the last several weeks. We have the answer in the scriptures. We have the answer for our world. Really, for both sides. Both sides of this, of this argument. Those who are pro-law enforcement and anti-racial, uh, know, uh, racial, uh, I guess, a racial justice uh, or something along those lines. And those who are on the other side. We've got these polar opposites that are in here. And really, what we need to bring to the table is that all of us have the ability to become domineering. All of us have the ability to be domineering, to use fear, manipulation, guilt, all of those things to try and control people. And so we as the church need to lead in confession of what are the ways that we've led into fear, manipulation, control, guilt, being domineering. Can we, just, can we have a conversation uh, about race here just, just briefly? The whole idea, the whole issue with race, what the black community is saying to the white community, I believe, and I don't want to speak for them because I don't know. I'm speaking somewhat from ignorance, the little bit that I do know. But I think what they're saying is they're saying, we feel like we've been domineered by the white community. And men and women, it's not our responsibility to say, no, you haven't. It's to recognize that that clearly has happened in some instances. Yeah, we don't believe that it's in every situation, but it clearly has. We as the church have the answer. We have the answer, and the answer is God opposes the proud. God is absolutely in opposition to prideful people. But he gives grace to the humble. How do we lead in humility? How can I lead in humility? How can I be somebody who's leading in that way? Leading in humility could look like this. I don't feel like I've done anything wrong, but I'm going to apologize anyway. That's leading in humility. Do you know how many times I've had to do that in the, in the church? Dude, 
I, I just, I have to be honest with you. Do you know how many times people come to me and say, you did this to me? And I just go, I don't think I did that. And you know, when I was a, when I was a, a younger idiot, I'm an older idiot now, but when I was a younger idiot, <laughs> when I was a younger idiot, uh, I, would sit, I would sit there and defend myself. I mean, there's, th- there's certain things that you need to defend yourself over, like immorality, you know, accusations of impropriety or, or things like that that you need to say, hey, that, that didn't happen, I'll defend myself to the hill. But there's some things that somebody says, says, Matt, I don't like the way that you talk to me. I feel like you are X, Y, or Z, whatever, whatever it is, ungracious. You don't smile at me. Well, I don't smile a lot sometimes. I'm doing it now, right? Can't you be happy with that? Matt, you seem really uh, driven in some ways, and I just feel like you blow by me. I heard that so many times. I just get task-oriented, and I, and I go after it. And, they're like, and, and they would take on an offense against me. Maybe there's somebody here that fe- feels that way. And I would just say, I didn't have anything against you. What are you talking about? And you know, it would, it would take a molehill, and it would make a mountain out of it. Instead of me coming and... Instead of coming with pride and arrogance saying, I never did that to you, I have to come with humility and say, man, I am sorry that that's the way uh, that I came across to you. That was not my intention. Would you forgive me? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble because Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life. If we can't lead in the church like this, if we can't lead in our homes like this, then what are we doing? I told you we have the answer. The answer doesn't come from us standing on the street corner in a three-piece suit on top of some type of a, uh, you know, a, a soapbox thing. I saw that not too long ago on a road trip. I had to drive by this guy a couple of times. Like, I've never seen it before. I just wanted to go and listen to him preach and yell at people. Like, see, are people really responding to your message? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, we don't communicate to our world by being prideful and, and arrogant towards people. We communicate through the way that we live our lives. We communicate through lifestyle evangelism. And are we coming to our community saying, this is what I believe about what leadership is? Leadership is coming to our world and saying, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And as somebody who's received the grace of God, I perpetuate that grace in my everyday relationships. I perpetuate that grace in everything that I do. Think about in your marriage. I don't know if anybody else is experiencing, uh, you know, just a, a fun time during the, the pandemic uh, in, your, in, your, in your marriage. There's more time together. I mean, me and my wife have had some great discussions. It's, uh, it's been so, it's been so, so great. I'm, I'm being careful. I'm being careful. Um, uh, Things go poorly when I have pride. Things go much better when I have humility. Things go poorly when I'm prideful and arrogant. Things go much better when I am humbly coming to my spouse, and really when both of us are, you know? 
And so we've, we've had to, to work on that. We are here to be God's representatives of the kingdom of God. We are here to be, to show this is what it looks like to live under the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. And are we, are we doing that? Are we effective in doing that? I, I don't know that we are. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now, there's no real clear examples of what the crown exactly is of glory, but there's this sentiment of, of which those who are leading in the local church are working for some type of um, commendation from God that is, that is really, really great. And so if you see me someday with some type of glowing crown, you'll know why, okay? I'm gonna have to stop at verse five here. I knew this was gonna happen. But verse five says, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. A really difficult subject because of this. Because there's a lot of people who come to church and who live however they want to. But what, what we need to understand is this is that the purity of the church matters. It doesn't mean that we are sinless, but, it, but what, it, what it does mean is this, is that we're not sinning with impunity, meaning we're not sinning wantonly. We're not just sinning because we just, we just don't care. We're just involved in whatever we want. Sometimes people ask me, like, would you care if this kind of person came to the church and became a, a, a member and decided to serve and stuff like that? And I oftentimes have to say, listen, we are welcome to all people at the church, anyone can attend as long as they're not disruptive in this room. Anyone can be a part of this. They can be my friend. I'll, I'll spend time with them. But membership is reserved for folks that are willing to put themselves under, to put themselves in subjection to the local elders. Now, oftentimes, people don't want to put themselves into subjection to the local elders. They don't want to be under authority. And part of it is because they have this deep abiding anxiety because something has happened in the past. Like they had a domineering father or mother. They were in some type of uh, church situation where they were abused spiritually by somebody. And they have really good reasons for not wanting to follow authority. And it's because they're deeply hurt. And oftentimes, we have to have long conversations about that before they're able to say, okay, I want to submit myself here. And this idea of submitting here at Outward Church especially is not something where we're like laying on these, well, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got you to be this person and that person. No, there is, a, there is an openness to saying, hey, I'm going to be subject to these elders. And sometimes I hear about people who say, you know what? In fact, I had somebody who messaged me the other day. Um, uh, on Facebook who's not a part of any church and I said hey are you a part of a church he said no all churches are liars and uh just greedy for money and stuff like that and I was like you know what am I <laughs> I mean we're friends and he just said that and I was like yeah there's a lot of that these days and then just left it at that kind of a deal like I mean you sound pretty set in your ways I don't want to have an argument with you over Facebook messenger that kind of a thing but in any case, great guy. Love him if he's listening. I'm so glad. Um, but, 
But the, the, the point is this, is that, man, if every church you go to, you say, hey, uh, I, I can't submit to these guys. I, if, if someone tells me about my sin, if they point something out in my life and they come to me with the right attitude and they're not domineering and aggressive and uh, oppressive or, or whatever, but they're coming to me and they're, they're loving me and yet you still respond with, I'm out. And you just go from church to church. You say, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. So you find... Uh, you're just going to you know, some church that doesn't have elders, doesn't teach the Bible or whatever. You say, I can't find an evangelical church that I agree with. The common denominator in all of those situations is you. He says, he says likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. It's putting yourself under the authority of the local elders. It's not something that we as elders carry around and want to abuse. It's something that we want to come alongside of. We're here to shepherd, to care for. Because like I said, we believe that we have the answer. And when somebody's living their life in in such a way that is not bringing uh, life and goodness and wholeness And families that are together, when somebody's entering into something, when somebody's being domineering in their home, and the elders come and say, hey, you should not be treating your spouse and kids this way. And they say, forget you. And they say, that's the problem. That's the issue. See, God's against you. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility must be the thing that characterizes our interactions with each other. Hebrews 13, 17 says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. It can be hard. It can be really hard to be an elder in a, in a local church. It can be really difficult because as soon as you step up to be a leader, oftentimes you, you have a target on your back. And anybody can say anything about like all kinds of things. You shouldn't be meeting together. We should be meeting together. You shouldn't have hired this person. I don't like those songs. I don't like the way that community groups are going. You guys don't have enough programs. You know, I don't really like people telling me about this. I don't like the way that he, he criticizes my political party. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. And that's not necessarily an issue of submission, but, it's, but there, there is a level of submission there that just says, man, this is, this is where the place that I've decided to jump in. This is the place where I've decided to be led. And no one's keeping you here. I mean, there's lots of great churches in our city. You may not like my personalities. Most of the, I don't like any of my personalities, right? I mean, some of them are docile and never describe myself as docile, but, um, but you don't have to be here. And praise God, the only reason why I'm able to say this right now is that I have heard very little criticism very little. So thank you. Thank you. Maybe you're just not telling me. You're talking behind my back. Thank you for that. 
I'm just glad I don't have to hear it, right? <laughs> uh, that's good leadership right there, yeah. Uh, no, I just, I, I think it's really great. I feel like there's a general sense of just love and people willing to follow. But I think it's a stressful thing as well. It's a stressful thing to follow. Or to, it's a stressful thing to follow. It's a stressful thing to lead. But I would just say this. This applies to other situations. It's hard to be a good follower. It's hard to put yourself under somebody that you're like, I don't 100% agree with everything that you do. But it's just saying, would you follow? And, and maybe, maybe if you just can't find yourself in agreement with the church that you're in, if you're just regularly hitting yourself, you know, hitting your head on the ceiling of just like, man, I just keep coming up with this, I just say, man, we just, we want to bless you. And just say, God bless you. And like, we just want to get you to the place where God has you. Where's God called you to be? We want to shepherd you well, even if that's into a different church. So I'm, I'm over my time this morning, and so I'll, I'll leave it at that. And I just want to say this, that Jesus is the ultimate example, goes to the cross, and he's crucified. He becomes a servant when he is God in the flesh. And so Jesus invites us to, to not only believe the good news. The good news is this, is that ultimate leadership sacrifices itself for its followers, for its creation. And so Jesus has done that for you and for me. And for those of us that have received it, we have the opportunity to glory in that and to say, Jesus, as our king, we are going to follow him. And for those of you that are, are, that are sitting here, maybe you're convicted over your domineering behavior and you, you realize that you have not been a good leader, you've not been a good follower, like Jesus forgives. If you've been a, a, bad, a bad father, you've been somebody who, who hasn't done well with being a, a dad or a husband or something like, like that, Jesus forgives you right here and right now. He has done it already. It's done away with on the cross. And so I invite you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ this morning. Let's partake of uh, the elements this morning of, of uh, communion here as I invite the band forward. I'll give them just a second. And before we go to the Lord's table, obviously we're not having to get up because we're trying to limit uh, people being close to other people and, and stuff like that. If you need communion, it's back on the table, just in the hallway back there. So you could grab it if you need, if you need to. Uh, most of you got it when you came in. But when we come to the Lord's table, we want to just be mindful of why we need Jesus. Because of this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So God opposes us when we're sitting in pride saying, I haven't done anything wrong. But he gives grace to those who are humble. And so we come with humility to the Lord's table. And so let's, let's take a moment, let's bow our heads and just talk to the Lord right now about all the reasons that we need the gospel right now. Do you want to understand what it looks like to, to believe the gospel on a regular basis? Apply the gospel to all the ways that you sin this week. Would you just think about that right now with me?
Lord, how have I sinned against you and against others? Lord, what do I need to confess to you? How do I need to confess that I, I need your gospel right here and right now? What are the ways that I can't get my stuff together? What are the ways that I keep dropping the ball? Who are the people that I've hurt? Lord, bring it to mind. Lord Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross and paying for my sins. Even that sin that just came to mind. Lord Jesus, I need your gospel every day. I need thee every hour. Lord, thank you for the good news that you went to the cross. Let's partake of the, the body. Lord Jesus, I also thank you for your blood that was spilled. For my sins. You gave yourself up for me. You humbled yourself. You took on the form of a servant. Became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. So thank you for pouring out your blood for me and for the many. Let's partake of the blood. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. I pray that we would revel in that. It's in your name we pray, amen.